The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. of Retro Pop, your home for bi-weekly pop culture talk every other week right here on the BICBP Radio Network. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts alongside, as always, uh, me, that, that's, oh, this is where I come in, Johnny yeah. Townsend. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate all you listeners, you're all very awesome, and Matt is right, we talk pop culture like it's the next big thing. Yes, and we today, do. Matt, yeah. I, and Matt, I'm very pleased. I'm very pleased today to say that we're coming to you live from the Retro Pop Arcade. <laughs> yes, we are. I'm oh, I'm super excited to talk about this one. You know, um, arcade gaming has been it's well, it's pretty unreal. Uh, you know, it, it it it's come and gone, and it actually there's still arcades to this day. But uh, you know, just. I, it has this like certain feel. I, I don't know. It was like a fad, I guess, in the eighties and you know seventies, eighties, nineties that you know probably won't ever come back to what it was. But uh, I don't know, it just has such a cool feel to it, and it's really like the definitive era of video games, at least for myself. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I definitely have very distinct memories of arcades growing up, for sure. Uh, I used to go to them all. The- my dad would, my mom and dad were very awesome and would take me to them all the time. So I have very distinct memories of them, and that's to this day why, for whatever <laughs> for whatever reason, I will always love Miss Pac-Man over Pac-Man, because Miss Pac-Man was the game Dad would play with me. Like, we would play against each other at Miss Pac-Man, and he was, I never beat him. I remember I'd never beat him <laughs> at it. That's awesome to hear. Uh, you know, well, I mean, I guess we'll get into our personal history in a little bit, but... Um, but, yeah, I mean, I felt like it was an appropriate thing to do, you know, it we'd like to talk about pop culture and I, I feel like arcade games, the arcade arrow, it was a culture. It was a cultural movement that took a lot of people by storm. And you know, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I have so much to talk about today. I'm excited to get into it. Uh, but first and foremost, let us both get into our own personal history. So, I mean, you brought up a great memory. You know, you and your dad playing Ms. Pac-Man. Uh, you know, I, I grew up towards really the end of the arcade era, like that last bit of life being pumped into it in the 90s with, uh, you know, the likes of Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and so many other ones. But I still have fond memories. I, you know, the, I used to have an arcade by my house, the Summit Park Mall in uh, Wheatfield, New York, just outside of Niagara Falls. And... It had a place called Aladdin's Castle. It had a really, really cool atmosphere to it. Um, it stood out. It was, you know, you walk by it in this mall that was dying. The, the mall isn't open anymore, but, you know, it had, like, your set, your, your Sears, your Bontons, nail salons, little knick-knack stop, stops, KB Toys. But you walked by this arcade, and you were just instantly, like, drawn in, right? The dark ambiance. Lights are down. Uh, but you hear, you still see all these lights and stuff from the various arcade machines and the and the sounds. Uh, oh my God, I miss that. Um, you know, I I never had money 
to be able to play those arcade games with, with my dad. You know, we, we'd go and we'd just spend like a summer day at the arcade or something like that. But, I mean, that was that was a treat, and it just it just has a cool feel to it. Nothing that's uh, you know, it's it's not dupli- very easily duplicated today. For me, I, I, in my you know, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's. I have very. I mean, I said it before. I have very vivid memories of arcades for sure. And like you, even though I live out here in like I've always lived out in the close to them. Like I'm at the. I mean, I live in an area in North Carolina called the Foothills because literally it's very hilly and mountainy, and we're right on the verge of the mountains here. So it's a lot of forest and trees and stuff. So, and even though we do have some some cities that do pop up, it's not like you know, I live in an area where. Uh, you know, next door to me is a coffee shop or something. That's just not how this place is. However, for whatever reason, there was this, there's this building that's about, uh, about, oh gosh, two minutes from my house when I was growing up. And, uh, it used to be like a furniture building because North Carolina was a big furniture place. But, uh, at, at some point an arcade moved in and this is in the middle of oh. nowhere. <laughs> and, uh, we used to go there all the time and, Man, what that's probably my favorite memories of arcades is going there because they had all the when they had NBA Jam they they even had oh, they even had an arcade version of uh, the Mario Brothers game for the Nintendo, uh, which even though I'd played like crazy because I owned the game, I still played it there. <laughs> I still put quarters <laughs> in that machine even though I knew how to play it and everything. Uh, it's man, it's just the sounds of an arcade. You know, uh, I remember those. Like I remember our mall used to have a really cool arcade, and. And when I was growing up, it's not like my my dad was super rich, uh, but you know he uh, he was he he made some he made some okay money, and I was very fortunate that he would always give me some like we'd go to an arcade he'd give me some quarters and stuff. I was very happy about that. Uh, my co-host on Retrobliss, Trevor, has told this story many times, and I can verify it because I've been with him. Like, me and him grew up together, so I know this to be true. Uh, he too, he and his brother too, love arcades. But they had a very different experience from what I would have when I would go with my dad, because their dad, uh, who I, who is like a very funny person by the way, uh, <laughs> would take them to the arcade, but it would never, but they would never like pay anybody. They would just go around looking at the. Arcade oh my, games. <laughs> dude! I used to do that same thing because I had no money. I oh my god! I'm glad you brought that up. I used to do that same thing. I used to. Uh, <laughs> there was a racing game. Uh, there and I always wanted to play it, but I, I legit did not have any money. Um, but because they showed the driver's hands move in the in the attract screen yeah. in the attract mode when you turn the wheel, I was like, "Oh, cool! I'm playing the game," and I wasn't even close. But that's <laughs> yes. that's hilarious. That I'm so well, glad you brought that I would do the same thing up. too. But I was just lucky <laughs> enough that eventually my dad would be like, "Hey, you want to play NBA Jam? Here's your quarter." I'd get lucky with that. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> but yeah, I have very I, I've. I mean, obviously, I love video games, so uh, the arcade. You know, I, I do think today they're sort of making a comeback in a way, and we'll get in, more... in their own. Yeah, we'll get into that. And we'll get into that, but you know, it's nothing like it was for sure. Uh, I mean, just no. the memories, and even the even arcades had their own distinct smell. I know that sounds weird, but they did. No, and, they did. They definitely did. Yep. Yeah, and lighting, like you said before, like it was his own distinct place. And I think. Um, you know, it's just I don't I don't know if the younger people today uh, just understand just how much of a 
of a, I guess a hangout place, be, you know, like a hangout the arcades where you would like even meet your friends there, and and uh, just go around looking at all these different video games and and uh, and all that kind of stuff. I remember also remember like for the longest time when I was a kid, we didn't have any Chuck E. Cheese's near us, and oh. but we would see the commercials all the time on our TV. And be like, oh man, you get to play all the. They got an arcade. That's the only reason I even wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese, was to play the play that stupid arcade that they would have. And eventually got to go there once on a school field trip to Washington D.C. And uh, I remember all I did was like spend. I spent. It had to be. Gosh, it had to be most of my money on the Ninja Turtles <laughs> arcade game. There, that's all I played. Oh. <laughs> so incredibly worth yeah. it too. Pizza's that's, awful, that's but great... the video games are great. <laughs> I could put up with Chuck E. Cheese pizza. I'm. See, I don't know. I, I we did our Pizza Hut episode. I think like a month and a half or a month ago, and yeah, I could eat, I could eat pizza anywhere. I can appreciate Chuck E. Cheese pizza. But, oh, I have an update. Um, I did eventually get a Pizza Hut pizza. Oh, you did? Yes. I have. Oh, I have yet to. I I just have no money. <laughs> <laughs> I no money. But the plan is to eventually, by the end of the year, get a Pizza Hut pizza. That is a good update, though. Um, Merry Christmas. You know, I, <laughs> yes, Santa, please. <laughs> I've been a good boy. I've been a good boy. Well, I think, uh, depending on who you okay, ask. I've been, I've been an average boy. <laughs> a little good, a little bad, you know, average. A little bit of everything. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, yeah, like modern day one, like as early as like 2000, well, as recently as like 2008, 9, 10, uh, you know, I, I make my regular trips to Disney World every, seemingly every other year, and they have arcades and all their, you know, resorts and stuff, and th- those are always really cool. They, you know, they they, they feature various games like Wrestle WWF WrestleFest and uh, the old Star Wars Pod Racing one, which was the most complicated arcade game I've ever played, but so cool. Uh, yeah, just just things like that. You know, they're 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 still around. They're it's like it's, like me and Johnny lightly mentioned, and we will discuss. Uh, it's nothing like the way it used to. Kids these days have no idea uh, what an actual arcade feels, smells, tastes, depending on you know what you're into. <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> sticky really, floors. what they're the sticky floor? Oh, yeah. the best! Um, but yeah, that, that's just a definitely lost fad that I I wish would come back in droves, but it, it just the market's not there anymore. Uh, does your um, does your local movie theater still have arcade games? Mine does. Yes, they do. They have a, a yeah. few that's like it's hidden in like this back area behind the old. Um, it's a Regal Cinema, and they used to have two sides for concessions, but it's behind the one that's not used anymore. And they have like Time Cop. They have like a, a couple other little machines, maybe a racing game. They used to have Marvel vs. Capcom too, which I, I loved, but they got rid of that since. Uh, yeah, that's that, that's one that you know they're found frequently at. Uh, trying to think of some other places that might still possess them uh occasionally you go to a restaurant uh yeah you know there's, there's a pizza place by my house that has that operation uh thunder wolf or whatever it is that like shooting game uh I, I think that's what it was there's one there's a taco place by my by where i live that has uh the first i think it's x-men versus street fighter or marvel superheroes versus street fighter so they're still there but it's just like you're never Aside from like Dave and Buster's and stuff like that, or Chuck E. Cheese, you're never gonna find wall-to-wall arcade games anywhere else. Yeah, when I was a kid, uh, we there was this uh, this diner that wasn't too far uh, from where we lived, and my dad would take me sometimes to this diner when we were going, like when he was taking me somewhere. We'd always stop there to eat, and they had 
they had two arcade games there. They had Centipede and they had Space Invaders. And I would play those games like crazy. Uh, <laughs> but I don't... For for the life of me, I'm trying to remember if any time lately, uh, if you really... You just don't see that very much anymore. Just go to a random restaurant and it just happen to have an arcade game in there. It just doesn't happen near as much. No. Pizza Hut was a big proponent of that. You yes. Know, we, we, yes. I think we mentioned that. Pizza Hut was a big proponent of that. That's um, how I ever played Samurai Showdown was Pizza Hut. Yeah? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, that's a cool memory. They, you know, they used to feature Pac-Man, and I, I, I would imagine some of the places had the TMNT arcade game uh, back when yeah, they had the, they would have the, the Pac-Man to sit down version. Yeah, that like it's like a tabletop almost. Yeah, so it's so cool, so cool. But yeah, I mean that's that's what it was. I mean that's how popular arcade cabinets used to be. Um, but but yeah, I think uh, do, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, no. Sorry, your personal history. Okay. All right, let us get into the actual, all the timeline history of the video game arcade. Arcades have probably been around for a lot longer than I think a lot of people really realize. Uh, you know, obviously, video game arcades have been around since like the seventies. In uh, some points, well, I think mostly late seventies. Um, but like arcades have been around since the early nineteen hundreds, uh, which I thought was a really cool tidbit that I found out learning. Uh, they used to call them uh, amusement amusement parks or uh, excuse me amusement arcades that's what they used to, the, the the phrase was coined uh, between 1905 and 1910 um, also they were called penny arcades as well uh, where they the games legit cost a penny and that would include you know things like uh, bagatelles which is a game with um, elements of billiards and non-electrical pinball uh, they also used to have early forms of pinball you know, during this time, which was uh, with the invention of the spring, that spring, uh, you know, that that pushed the ball. That was actually invented in the late 1700s. Um, but as early as the, you know, the 1900s, arcades used to revolve around things like that, coin-operated things. Uh, Fortune-telling machinery, which, like, uh, was Zoltar, I think is the name of it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's considered an arcade slot machines. Could you uh, free oper- Zoltar? <laughs> Like, simple stuff like that people used to eat up. Um, peep show machines, which I found very... Nah, now uh, we're talking. Yeah, now we're talking. We're <laughs> Give me that DNA peep show. <laughs> but uh, it says that it was in the original non-pornographic... It, it was the original non-pornographic version of it. It was uh, so. It was, pr- it was very, uh, uh, it was very uh, rated R back then, but literally she's just, like, pulling her dress up slightly, and you see the ankle. <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's baby. Like, uh, and your eyes it's pop like, out of your head like a cartoon. It's like, it's like Amish nudity, I guess. I mean, it's not even really like nudity. Oh, like, <laughs> that's really what it was. Uh, mutoscopes, love tester machines, which you still find in, like, I don't know why, but, like, things like that. They always put them in, like, front of GNCs or something like yeah. that. In your local I tried that balls. once, and it told me that it needs work. <laughs> <laughs> But like how you know, like grip strength that was one of my favorite ones yeah. uh, to do. I was terrible at it. Oh, uh, and then there's coin operated shooter machines with like BBs and stuff like that. Uh, you know, the, those are very around lightly today, but 
Uh, I mean, that was really the early day of arcades, uh, you know, with that. And they used to cost as simple as a penny, which uh, I try to do some math on. It's actually such a low amount that they could not figure out the inflate. My inflation calculator site could not figure out the inflation. So, I mean, as low as a penny, it's it's probably maybe a little over 50 cents, 75 cents uh, to this day in, in, in uh, inflation. But after that, really, um, I mean, pinball arcades really became the, the forefront of a lot of arcades. You know, you start, you stop seeing some of this older stuff. But with the invention of, like, the flippers and bumpers on pinball machines, that was everything. So between 1930-40 to 60, uh, right before the video game arcades really became a thing, uh, pinball arcades were what the the kids back then raved about um, yeah, pinball was so huge that one of the biggest bands at the time, the who literally has a song about a guy who plays pinball. Yeah. El- Elton John does as well. A pinball wizard. I think yeah. is what it, the name of it, uh, you know, and it was, I, I love pinball. Machine. I play virtual pinball, like on my phone all the time. Like there's different, like there's, I have a Marvel superhero one. Uh, you know, there's yeah. different, like, I think, modes I think recently, honestly, and I think it's on a switch. Cause, uh, Trevor was telling me about it. There's a star Wars one. that just came out. Yeah. It's from Zen pinball. I think Yeah, it's from Zen pinball. I played all those on my phone and they're, they're really well done. Um, so now they're going virtual, but I still love it. I, I still pop for a good old school, you know, nail screw and, and, and button, you know, pinball, uh, machine, but that was that was the rage, as they called it. Um, but really, with the nineteen, when it really came to the nineteen seventies, uh, you know, things really started to take off. And Pong was one of the earliest, uh, you know, ones people like to they call it they call it the birth of really the golden age of, of arcade games. Um, and a lot of people attribute it to nineteen seventy eight, but even before that, like Pong. And, uh, you know, several other games really became a driving force behind, uh, you know, the arcade era. It's, you got connectivity. You know, you yeah, set them I, up I, in I, bars. Uh, I know Pac-Man, it was, it was a really big deal that a bar put, a, you know, uh, set up a Pac-Man machine. Uh, I think that was like 1972, 74, maybe, well, maybe a little bit later than that. But the big story was he thought the machine was broken because it wouldn't take any more quarters. But. The, the owner of it, when in fact the machine was full of quarters, and that's how they knew that they were onto something. And that was, you know, it, that's really the kind of the early beginnings of the, the birth of the popularity of, of arcade units. Yeah, I don't think people realize how big of a deal Pong was. Uh, Pong, Pong was yeah, huge. Pong was huge and vital to if you love video games and you need to put some respect on Pong's name. Uh, I mean, I, we look at it today, it was just so simple, just two you know, paddles on one side and a, and a round object, a ball, just going back and forth. But that was such a huge deal. That was, I mean, we we didn't have anything like it when that came out. I mean, I'm not old enough to remember that, thankfully. I'm not that old. But, uh, you know, it's just when it came out, it was such a phenomenon. I'm like, wow, look look at this. This is it, – it, it was even a joke on one of the first early seasons of Simpsons uh, you know, on the first Treehouse of Horror, the Simpsons get—I wanted to cover the Simpsons one day, by the way. Uh, the oh, we will. Get, oh, we will. They get—they get kidnapped by the aliens, you know, in the first Treehouse of Horror. Yeah. And, and the aliens are like, "Look at our, you know, look at our our, our video games," and and Bart's like, "That's that's just punk." <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. I I once watched a skit. It was Mad TV where they they uh, they did the nineteen seventy four video game awards and they did like a ba- best graphics yeah. uh, segment and it was really only it was po- between Pong and uh, asteroids. That was the, <laughs> that was the only thing they did like five awards, fake awards for it. it was hilarious, but. Um, the actual very first arcade video game was uh, it was called Galaxy Game. It was uh, made in 1971 uh, by students of Stanford University. Obviously, there was earlier things that inspired, um, you know, some of these games. Uh, you know, that was actually mil- it was actually like light military technology that they turned into uh, arcade games. It's kind of crazy. Um, but Galaxy Game was the earliest known coin-operated video game. Later uh, that year. Uh, a man by the name of Nolan Bushnell created the, the first mass-manufactured game, Computer Space. Uh, 1972 was the birth of Pong, as you know, as, as we just talked about. It was the, that was the very first successful uh, electronic ping-pong video game, and it proved to be very popular, but imitators helped keep Atari from dominating the, uh, the market with it. So, I mean, this, this became a very big problem in the 80s eventually, and we'll, we'll get into that, but... You know, like we said, 1978 Space Invaders really changed everything because it brought forth this, uh, this like high, the, the scoring thing. I think is one of the biggest you know deals. It made video gaming competitive and fun. Uh, high scores weren't like a, uh, a big deal until Space Invaders came out and really, really changed you know how that all that all went down. People were like, oh, you know, I challenge you to, to Space Invaders, and they go back and forth. It was like multiplayer mode. And see who get the best score. And it was, uh, you know, that was a just a really, really cool uh, time period. Uh, could you imagine, I mean, high scores are part of everything now, but, like, yeah. can you imagine to be, like, one of the, for, be around when high scores in a video game were, like, a thing? I was kind of, I, I was kind of at the tail end of that. Uh What's really strange is like now if a game like that was like back then that's all you needed to play a game was I'm going to try to get that high score now you can't just have that because people just don't care no <laughs> like they need something else if we're going to play a video game like give me some uh, you know some more things let, let me unlock stuff now but I do remember specifically uh, like Trevor and I or or his brother Derek would be playing a, a game that and we'd be just saying whoever gets the high score wins and that was it. And I remember one time on Space Invaders, I actually made a top ten, and oh. I was beyond happy. But then by the next time I was there, it was, I was already going off of it. Oh. <laughs> but it was really cool to see my name, you know, see my initials on there, and I knew it was me. It was like an accomplishment. And I, it was. I, it was. Yeah. I, I was ninth. I was ninth. I wasn't even the top five. But I was just so happy to see my name there. And then, I mean, it was gone really soon after that. But it was just so cool to even see my initials on something. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's really what video games were. The reward in in a lot of these things was accomplishing those high scores or just beating them. That was really the eighties and nineties. Now everything's oh, you unlock this, you unlock that. Yeah. Uh, but back in the seventies, eighties, and nineties, there was a it was a there was a sense of pride of just doing good in the video games, and, and that was that. Um, you know, the the replay value was very low, but um, you would still keep coming back to it. Yeah, uh, I mean, this high score thing was was the replay value. Yeah, it, it absolutely was. It kept. People punching in quarters, uh, you know, as, as often as they would. 
But, uh, but yeah, 78 was really the first blockbuster arcade video game with, with Space Invaders. Uh, its success marked the beginning of the golden age of arcade video games. Video game arcades sprang up in shopping malls. Small corner arcades appeared in restaurants, grocery stores, bars, movie theaters. And actually, this is a fun one I learned, too. Uh, there was a funeral home with an ar- arcade in it. Well, I don't know if you knew that. I don't know if no. you were going to bring that up in your Did You Know uh, trivia, but no. that was something I heard often. Uh, <laughs> so so huh. they popped up all over the United States, Japan, and uh, as well as other countries during the 70s and 80s. Uh, Space Invaders in 1978, uh, Galaxian in 79, Pac-Man in 80, Battlezone in 80, Defender in 1980, and Bosconia in 1981 were especially popular. And by 1981, the arcade video game industry was worth $8 billion in the United States, which is $22 billion as of 2018. During the late 1970s and 80s, chains such as Chuck E. Cheese, Ground Round, Dave & Buster's, Showbiz Pizza, and Gaddy's Pizza combined with the traditional... Uh, restaurant or bar environment with arcades. And by the late 80s, the arcade video game was, uh, well, it began to fade, uh, but we'll get into that. Uh, I just really want to talk about the adva- the business, really, structure of arcade games. It was, you know, big technological advances in arcade games. You, the setups were got even more, like, wild, like, and crazier. You know, I mentioned that pod racing game uh, that I played probably in the in the late 90s, early 2000s in Disney. Uh, it became, like, arcade games became massive and really an experience. You know, it was no longer just the, the joystick and buttons, which is so fun, but you'd see these setups, the racing the racing setups, you know, getting to sit and drive like you're driving in a car and you're just playing a video game. Like, how cool is that? Uh, that was, that was, you know, that was a thing that really blew up in the 80s. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think uh, the one I remember specifically is the Star Wars one. Yes, I remember the that vector one graphics. Yes, yep. yes. Oh uh, and then God. also, um, I don't remember which racing game it was. It might have been Daytona USA, but uh, one of them was at one of the arcades I would go to. Like you just, you almost like you got into this. Uh, what, what what do you want to call it? Like a cubicle in a way. <laughs> But you're covered up. Uh, it was, they were doing their best to immerse you into the world, and uh, they did a great job because it was just something. It almost felt like you were in the cockpit of that car. You know, you're in, yeah. you're literally in the driver's seat. It was it, that presentation goes such a long way for me. And like as somebody who played the co- home console ports of those games, it was very very disappointed. It actually makes me appreciate those more. Star Wars Arcade was one of those. I played it on my Atari twenty six hundred, and it looked like dog crap. I couldn't believe that they made it out. But that's well, that's another thing we'll discuss in a little bit. Um, so the number of video game arcades in North America, for example, it more than doubled between 1980 and 1982, reaching a peak of 10,000 video game arcades across a, the region compared to 4,000 as of 98. Beginning with Space Invaders, as we mentioned, popped up in a lot of places, supermarkets, restaurants, liquor stores, gas stations, um, and as we said, the funeral home. And the sales of arcade video game machines increased significantly during this period. $50 million of arcade cabinets uh, sold in 1978 to $900 million of them in 1981, with uh, 500,000 arcade machines sold in the U.S. at prices ranging as high as $3,000 in 1982. And that's a pretty penny, uh, if you really think about it. I oh, can yeah. whip up the inflation calculator really quick, but $3,000 in 1982 was a lot of money. Uh, 
By 82, there were 24,000 full arcades, 400,000 arcade street locations, and 1.5 million arcade machines active in North America. And the market was super competitive, and the average lifespan of an arcade game was about four to six months. Uh, you know, people tried to get too complex, and there were games that failed uh, because they were... Yeah, there was such a huge learning curve, and it wasn't easy. People went to those arcades because of the simplicity, and... Uh, and, and playing them, and I think that threw a lot of people off and was the beginning of the decline was because people wanted to be, they wanted to reinvent the wheel when it came to arcade games. Uh, in 1980, the U.S. arcade video games industry revenue generated from quarters tripled to $2.8 billion earned. So you had an arcade cabinet, if you had arcade games, uh, you were making buku bucks back then. Uh, by 81, the arcade video game industry in the United States was generating an annual revenue over five billion dollars, with some estimates as high as ten point five billion for all video games arcade and home in the U.S. that year, which would be three times the amount spent on movie tickets in '81. So they were outpacing Hollywood at this point. This just unbelievable. Total revenue for the U.S. arcade video game industry in '81 was estimated at more than seven billion dollars, though some analysts uh, estimated the real amount may have been much higher. And uh, by '82, video games accounted for eighty-seven percent of the eight point billion dollars uh in commercial game sales in the united states uh just yeah they were just blowing people away like even like professional sports like could not hang uh you know with these games uh but there's just so much innovation it was really really impressive but really the 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 arcade started to die down in the the mid 80s actually the very first video game crash of 1983 was a big uh you know, a big downfall. Yeah, First that, that foremost, affected that yeah. affected everything. Uh, everything that yeah. almost literally ended video games. That's how bad that was. It was terrible. Yeah, but it, the reason was was because there was an over influx. There was often imitations of popular games. Like uh, I think there was like a yeah. Donkey Kong, the, like the original Donkey Kong. They just mocked it with King Kong. It was the same game. To a T, and they were putting it in arcade cabinets and selling it for home video game consoles. And yeah, Atari, like, Atari is mainly blamed for this because they, uh, they notoriously like if you can make an Atari game, they they had no checks or balances. Like if you can make one, you could sell it. Uh, Nintendo has a Nintendo seal of approval that's very famous now. Atari didn't have that, <laughs> so if yeah, you could you make can... a game, it, it, you could just put it out. And so everybody was everybody and their mom was putting out an Atari game, and it was just flooding the market. And they were mainly awful games. They were so bad, and and that's what it was. That there was just too much going on in those arcades, and that's why they slowly started to, uh, you know, they, they just they fell off. People became uninterested, and and like we mentioned, the, the games got too complex. Uh, you know, what arcade games? The target audience isn't diehard gamers. You don't. That's a very small niche. Uh, you want casual gamers, women, children, um, and you know just. An older generation that just, uh, I'll give it a try. You know what I mean? I'll play it and, and, and enjoy it. Yeah, if and you want to make, they if you make real money, that. if you want to make real money on video games, you go for a casual gamer. That's why the Nintendo Wii was such a blockbuster because they went yes. for the casual gamer. Uh, us hardcore gamers, uh, we like to think that we're we are honestly a literally a very select group. There's not you know there's less of us than there are casual gamers. That's that's uh, that's why. Uh, when you get mad at certain decisions that like video game companies can make, uh, you got to yes. look at you got to look at it that way. Um, they they need to make money. <laughs> no, without a doubt. Uh, 
yeah, it's it's got to happen, and it just it just was not it, it was not working. It was an early failure, and, and yes, Atari was blamed and, and deserved the blame for it. Uh, but yeah, so, so they started like advancing stuff, and actually, video game arcades became more expensive. Um, no longer was just throwing a quarter in a game, you know, able to get you play. It was it started to become a dollar. It started to become more expensive, and then uh, you know, a dollar it. it it doesn't seem like a lot now, but and plus there were no dollar coins really back then. They weren't in full circulation. They still really aren't to this day. But yeah. you know, I still remember. I, I still remember when I saw. I don't remember what the game was, but I still remember when the game was fifty cents and my mouth dropped. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like fifty cents. I just go I home know. and play my. I just go home and play my Nintendo. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what happened. Uh, <laughs> it's exactly what happened. The home console, you know, part part just kind of blew everyone away, but. Uh, you know, people just had no need to visit the arcades anymore, even though the arcades were better ports. Um, yeah, I, I mean, an, another tidbit really, too, was, you know, as to why that video game crash happened was because a lot of those video game home ports were so poorly done. Pac-Man oh, yes. Pa- yes, was the most notorious one. Yes. Pac-Man was the most notorious one. It was uh, awful on the Atari. I played it, and I was like, what? I, I played it, like, maybe five, six years ago, and I'm just like, what? It, it doesn't look anything alike. <laughs> no, it's got the blue background. It just looks like crap. Yeah. And it, the very, like, blue background where the arcade was black background with these bright lights. And this was just, oh, God, I don't know how to describe it. But they rushed they rushed and put it out. And they got a bunch yeah, of sales for it, but people returned I, it. I encourage our audience, uh, if you don't know what the Atari version of Pac-Man looks like, just, just Google it and just <laughs> compare it to what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> yes. It is night and day. It is very, very disappointing. Um, I mean, I, I was disappointed in 2012 getting that game. Uh, and I was just like, this all makes sense. <laughs> yeah, could you this... imagine? That's a great point. Like, if you were alive and you were a kid when that was coming out, because they, they really they really tried to hype that. They I did. Mean, it was Pac-Man, a big Christmas yeah. feature. That was yes. a huge Christmas. You know, Pac-Man thing. was a huge deal. Pac-Man was humongous. And the fact that he was going to come to a home console, that that's a humongous deal. And then that's what they got. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, one thing that the atari did was they used the the box like the box art like the visuals for it were from the arcade game and not from their yeah. actual physical game yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get the the cool music that you just get don't don't like when you get the pills it's it's just it's so so bad the the the, the ghosts weren't even colored I think they were all like uh, like a shade of white. I, I don't even remember exactly, but they like they didn't look. They just look like. Yeah. I, I can't. I mean, the Atari the was a limited enough. was limited hardware, but you still like I still don't know how it was that bad. <laughs> like even the even the layout of the of the maze is different and not good. <laughs> it's like widescreen, but yeah, it's like not yeah. fun at all. Uh, I, I don't know if it was this game or it was ET. I mean, no, ET played a big play in the video game crash but yeah et was huge in it too because again it was also another thing they really hyped up because that movie did so well yeah Uh, the movie did so well so they tried to rush the game and uh that you know that's that we i we (laughs) i i kind of want to do like a special episode on et and that'd be one of the things we talk about there's a documentary all about them trying to find the ets that were that were thrown into the landfill they did find them yeah they did find them them, so uh, that's a true story. It's it's just it's they were so bad that they literally tried to bury them. Yeah, 
But, like, those games, the funny thing is, like, Atari, they made more copies of those games than the actual Atari 2600 consoles were sold. Uh, that was, like, mind-buying. They, they put out, pushed out, like, a billion or something, in, or a million or a billion individual copies of those games, and but they had not sold enough for those consoles. So video games were just hitting the, you know, the, the toilet, and it was bad. Yeah, like Johnny said before it almost destroyed the entire game market and it's just like wow we were that close but the 1990s there was a bit of a resurgent you know a bit of a resurgence uh huge slump in mid-1994 and uh you know attendance and, and visits it just wasn't doing as well and a lot of those big arcade chains were put up for sale or they declared bankruptcy while uh many large arcade machine manufacturers likewise uh, moved to get out of the business. In the second quarter of 1996, though, video game factories reported 90,000 ca- arcade cabinets sold. This compared to uh, 150,000 cabinets sold. There were some stars around that around that era, especially in those 90s. Uh, I mentioned in the video on our Facebook page that MK2 was actually did very well uh, for arcade sales at that time. That like arc, you know that uh, Street Fighter, or yeah. v- very specifically, uh, launched like this. The second one, yes, uh, they launched this really this boom of, uh, you know, the arcades and people want to go in. And again, it was it was too complicated because obviously you're not going to get the casual gamers. You know, there was a lot that went into it, but it was still a fun culture at that point. Um, but yeah, eventually, like game companies, they they just moved away from the the arcade business period uh some people that if, if a game that they launched on the home console market didn't catch enough steam they would actually release an arcade cabinet to try and get a following but uh you just couldn't compete you know sega saturn playstation n64 offered like true 3d graphics that were competitive with arcades at that time and you just really couldn't compete with it um but here we get to the really the ultimate decline uh Arcade video games had declined in popularity so much by the late 90s that revenues in the U.S. dropped to uh, $1.33 billion in 1999, uh, which, I mean, that's that's a big drop, and reached a low of $866 million in 2004. Uh, the gap in release dates and quality between console ports and arcade games uh, were dramatically narrowed, as I just said, uh, thus setting up home consoles as a major competitor with arcades. Furthermore, by the early 2000s, networked art gaming via computers and then consoles across the Internet had also appeared, replacing the uh, the need of venue head-to-head competition and social atmosphere once provided solely by arcades. Yeah, the, they, arcade, the, the arcades, yeah. honestly, are kind of... They're, they're what the movie theater should have looked at, for an example. You oh know, yeah, I mean, movie theaters are having the same thing now. With uh, you, there's so many streaming options and stuff, you can just stay at your house and watch movies now instead of going out and having to deal with all that stuff. Uh, I, I really think if the movie theaters were smart, they would have looked at the arcades and tried to take some notes. <laughs> oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, they probably do much better for themselves. Um, you know, like we said, the diversity thing. The arcade market suffered from a lack of it. Uh, Compared to other gaming markets, a 1996 survey showed that 70% of arcade teenage, uh, players were teenage males, leading to a cycle uh, in which the uniformity of the audience discouraged innovation in game design, uh, which, you know, casual gamers. Uh, the arcades lost their status as the for- forefront of new game releases, given the choice between playing a game in an arcade three or four times, uh, which is roughly 15 minutes of play, uh, as well as renting. Uh, Blockbuster, you know, put a big 
Obviously, Blockbuster got big in the 80s and 90s, but um, that didn't really help either. You pay X amount of money and you get uh, a longer lifespan of playing the game. Uh, but, you know, that, that went a long way. Fighting games were the most attractive features of arcades since they offer the prospect of face-to-face competition in tournaments, which I love fighting game tournaments and, and you know, arcades. Uh, you know, that so much goes with that, which uh, correspondingly led players to practice more and spend more money in the arcade, but they could not support the business all by themselves. To remain viable, arcades added other elements to complement the video games, such as redemption games, merchandiser games, and food service. Uh, referred to as fun centers or family fun centers, some of the long-standing chains, such as Chuck E. Cheese and Gaddy's Pizza, also changed to this format. Many 1980s-era video game arcades have long since closed, and classic coin-operated games have become largely the province of dedicated gamers and hobbyists. The 2010s, some movie theaters and family fun centers still have arcades. Um, I mean, now, uh, I mean, that's pretty much the bulk of it. Actually, they're very popular in Japan still. Uh, the arcade industry is very popular in Japan, but nowadays you are limited to Dave & Buster's, Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, some family fun centers, you know, they, they do offer... You know the video game arcades and and what that, but I mean that was really that was it. Uh, you know, Mortal Kombat, one of the biggest contributors to arcade games of the '90s. Like MK4 was the last one that they decided to go with. They knew that um, it was a dying market, and come 2002, and Deadly Alliance was you know Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance was one of the first games that oh it was the first game that they just said no nah, we're not releasing you any arcades anymore. That's that's how bad the industry had gotten. Uh, and like I said, MK fueled that throughout the '90s, uh, along with Street Fighter and, and like NFL Blitz and some other games. Yeah, it, it, it's very. I mean, it was kind of sad, but if you look around today, I know just in uh, Western North Carolina, there actually are new arcades that do pop up every once in a while now, though. But they're kind of a different version, as in uh, you go in and you pay like ten bucks, and you can just—that's all you want to play. You know, you can play as long as you that's, want type of deal. That's smart. We have a place here in Buffalo called Masuda Chows. And uh, I know our good friends Chris and Anthony of the network, they they frequent there. Um, but they have that. It's like a bars-type setting, but the upstairs area is arcades. And they have a, they have a select few games. Uh, it's nothing massive, but, um, I mean, that's kind of what I want to do with this office space that I, I'm currently recording out of is, is be able to offer, like, bring back arcades in a way. Um I, I just think it would be cool. You know, I, I used to love watching, um, you know, not to bring up Mortal Kombat again, but I used to love watching the videos of, of, of their, like, office studios, and they just had arcade games. You used to have all, you had all the Mortal Kombat arcade cabinets and, and, and this and that. You know, so workplaces do have, you know, some of those to relax. But, it, again, it's not to the same, not to the same means or, or, or quantity that it was before. Oh, yeah, not even close. Not even close, but um, I mean that's pretty much the ar- the history of the arcades in a nutshell. Let's get into uh, Matt's stats. All right, so we're gonna get into a lot of. We got a lot of stuff going on here. Um, as far as like hardware units sold uh, for cabinets and revenue, so Pac-Man obviously one of the most profitable ones of all time. Uh, Four hundred thousand hardware units sold. Uh, that was just up to nineteen eighty-two. Uh, but overall, uh, with 
you went uh, inflation for 20, uh, 2018 slash 2019. Uh, Pac-Man has earned $10.6 billion in its lifetime for, from an arcade perspective. Space Invaders, number two, 360,000 uh, units sold up to 1980. Uh, $10.4 billion dollars. Uh, garnered by that game. Street Fighter 2, another popular one, 200,000 units uh, sold up to 1992, uh, including the World Warrior, because Street Fighter 2 had so many different variations. World Warrior was 60,000, and uh, the Champion Edition was 140,000. That game garnered $4.25 billion uh, in its lifetime. You know, There's some other popular ones, too, like Donkey Kong, Ms. Pac-Man, Asteroids, uh, Defender. The list kind of goes all over the place, but I mean, it's it's good to see how popular some of these were. Uh, like MK2, twenty seven thousand, um, and that was units sold, and that was up to two thousand and two. MK2 came out in nineteen ninety three, so you could tell that the fighting game genre was definitely carrying it, and that that earned one hundred sixty nine million dollars in uh, you know, in its lifetime. There's so many. I, there's I can go down the list. There's probably hundreds here. Franchises, though. Franchises, that's really the big one to look at. Uh, Pac-Man, as well as Ms. Pac-Man, and there's been several varieties of of Pac-Man. Since 1980, uh, 526,412 hardware units were sold, and uh, the franchise, $11.7 billion with inflation. Street Fighter's the second most valuable arcade game Franchise with 500,000 uh, arcade cabinets sold from the variations of the game up until 2002. $5.1 billion uh, earned through that. Space Invaders, another one. Uh, Mario, the various Mario ones. Mario wasn't too big with arcades. Uh, there was the original like Atari version and some other ones uh, like Johnny mentioned, but uh, that franchise did very well for itself. Um MK was, I mean, a little bit lower. 51,000 units sold, $1.39 billion earned. Uh, you know, it's, that's said. I can go on, yeah, I can go on forever uh, with these lists. I'm sure you don't want to hear them all, but uh, here's one, too. There's actually uh, five most expensive arcade games in history, which I found very interesting. Uh, you know, some big-time games that, that really drew a crowd, uh, they weren't mass-produced. And if you wanted to actually buy them now, they're really, really expensive. Um, I wanted to give a shout-out to these five. Uh, first, the Atari Major Havoc game. Uh, just It had a standard build to it. Uh, right now, you can find one for $4,000. Uh, <laughs> bucket change. It, bucket change, yeah. Nothing, no big deal there. Uh they play it uh, play it today and can't get enough of it, but there was there wasn't that many really designed. Uh, Century uh, Asterac also four thousand uh, dollars. Vector Graphics very big deal, but uh, it's also a very rare one. Uh, the Nutting Associates Computer Space, which was one of the earliest games, uh, you know that I've seen, goes for about five thousand dollars today. If you want an arcade cabinet for that, the shell is made from fiberglass, and the, the entire design feels super futuristic. Uh, next one, next highest, Cinematronics Cosmic Chasm, $6,500 uh, if you want to find an arcade cabinet from this. It was made by the same company that made uh, Space Ace, Dragon's Lair, and some other games. Uh, but yeah, a decent a decent cabinet 
in uh, in mint condition, sixty five hundred dollars, and it's constantly going up. And the most expensive arcade cabinet that you could possibly find in this day is uh, Williams Blaster Cockpit. $12,000 for a cabinet because only five of these were ever made. Um, that's how rare it was. But, but yeah, I thought I could bring that up. Uh, I mean, not, not too many other stats. Like I said, I can just go game by game. But, you know, the, the 25 cent, you know, paying 25 cents for, uh, you know, a, a game that's obviously blown up uh, with inflation uh, Pac-Man was one I wanted to bring up too. That they averaged about a hundred dollars a week in sales for uh, Pac-Man arcade units, and six hundred. Uh, that's in today's money. That's six hundred and fifteen dollars and sixty-six cents a week in quarters. That's amazing. Uh, throughout the eighties, a, a nice little tidbit here. Uh, they estimated that people spent seventy-five thousand years. Of life inside arcades. That's how wow. that's how popular it was. But um, yeah, I mean that's really it for stats. Let's get into Johnny's. Did you know? Let's try this time for some retro pop arcade facts. Now I decided to go into this, and these are kind of by game. Uh, I felt it would be easier that way and we wouldn't cross boundaries <laughs> um, i agree yeah so uh i'll start with pac-man uh pac-man was of course a massive hit i don't i mean honestly seriously that pac-man was humongous it was such a huge i mean you you mentioned how much money it was making this thing if you put it in your arcade you were making money uh however its creator didn't directly profit from its success at all and he's actually quoted. I didn't put his name because it's uh, he's uh, he's from Japan, and I didn't want to mispronounce it. Uh, but you can look it up and find it very easily. But here's a quote. Here's a direct quote from him. He said, "There was no change in his salary, or he didn't get a bonus, and he got no official citation of any kind for coming up with Pac-Man. He was just an employee of the what? company. He got nothing from it. That's horrible. Oh my god, I would lose my mind. Yeah. Um." In the very first Street Fighter game, Ryu, uh, or Ryu, I always say Ryu, because that's probably because I'm from North Carolina, uh, would say, uh, he would actually say in the game, you must defeat uh, Shing Long to stand a chance. Uh, however, in the very first Street Fighter, there was no Shing Long in the game at all. This was actually a, uh, this was actually translated incorrectly. He wasn't actually saying that, but when they were translating it into English, they, that's what they thought he was saying, but it wasn't what he was saying at all. Uh, <laughs> Mortal Kombat was actually made by only four people in only ten months. Yep. Uh, yet, uh, coming up with the name took them six months, which is pretty wild. Uh, yeah, they, they were sure trying like we'll cover Mortal Kombat because it's pretty big stuff. I would very much like to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's very fascinating too. I think uh, in 1982, uh, a U.S. court actually ruled. That Donkey Kong and King Kong were two different apes. <laughs> uh, the reason that this yeah. happened was Universal Studios actually had sued Nintendo over Donkey Kong, saying, "Hey, that's that's just King Kong." In all fairness, they weren't too far off. Uh, they because uh, when they were making Donkey Kong, they originally did want uh, King Kong, from what I remember. Uh, so they just said, no, "Well, I guess we'll just make our own uh, ape here." But they're two different <laughs> apes, according to the U.S. court. U.S. law says two different apes. 
1972, Pong actually became the first commercially successful coin-operated video game ever. Uh, and here's my favorite fact, but it's probably because I'm such an NBA Jam guy. Uh, in NBA Jam, this is true. In NBA Jam, if the Chicago Bulls played the Detroit Pistons and the game was close, and the Chicago Bulls had the last shot and they took that shot, it was programmed into the game that that, that shot would average out to be a miss. <laughs> and the reason for this is because one of the programmers or one of the makers of NBA Jam was a huge Detroit Pistons fan. And hated the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> yeah, uh, and NBA Jam is very fascinating. There's famously uh, there was no Michael Jordan in it. However, if you go to uh, Michael Jordan, actually had a version of NBA Jam in his house. Only one ever made where he was in it. They sent it to him personally. <laughs> oh, that's so cool! That's yeah. really neat. Um, so is that your all, last one? Yeah, that was oh. my last one. Okay. Did you ever hear, uh, I mean, I kind of want to bring this up, too, that uh, Polybius, you ever hear of that one? I think it's something you guys, you and, because uh, I know you co-host uh, History Creeps, I think it would yes. be we talked worthy about of, it. yes, yes, we did. Um, yeah, Polybius is a really cool one uh, that I think a lot of listeners, you know, may not know about if you, you know, just listen to this show. Um, it, it, that's one I, I think you should really do your research on and, and go try it out. I, I think it's uh It's very it's fascinating. It is. It's one of the, like the only. Well, there's other stuff, but this is one of the like the original occult gaming like yeah. theories and, and and stuff like that. It's it's really neat. Um, but uh, all right, that does it for that. Let's uh, let's see where the art, the legacy of uh, arcade games. So here we are in 2019, and, you know, we said a million times on this episode, you know, arcade games are, arcades, period, are just nowhere what they used to be. But uh, from a popular, like a popularity standpoint, how important do you think arcades, you know, their their long-lasting effects on the gaming industry? I think they're vital. Um, If it wasn't for them, then they the home or the home about said home arcade, but I guess it's kind of that now. The home the home video game market uh, never would have even tried. Uh, the fact that the arcades were making so much money was the reason they tried to do home video game consoles because like hey, there's money here to be made. And even to this day, we still get like uh, you know re releases of these old arcade games on the new systems that we have. I mean, you can go back. I know on my Xbox One, I can go back and get like a. Uh, you know, a bunch of the arcade games, like I can get Space Invaders, I can get Pac-Man. Uh, you can go back and get these games. So they're still getting played and, and downloaded today. Uh, and I think they'll always be around. I think the fact that, I think, I do think at some point arcades are, actually they're probably already there now, but they'll be where they're just a completely retro thing. Say, hey, we want to go do this retro thing and play an arcade, and you'll have to look them up and find them because they're not everywhere. Uh, but, uh I do think that their legacy will always be around as long as there's just video games in general. And I don't see anything in the horizon uh, of video games stopping. I think they'll change. Uh, they'll all go all download at some point. They're almost kind of there now. And, uh, and physical media would be a thing of the past. But, uh, you know, uh, I think it's one of the things I missed the most about the arcade was 
was you know I grew up with physical media. Like I grew up actually having to buy your video games and hold them. I grew up where uh, uh, you bought comic books and you actually held them in your hand and you flipped the pages. And yeah. I grew up where you actually went to the arcade and you actually got to sit in a in a in a in a you know a video game themed race car type situation. You got to actually sit down with a steering wheel type deal. You got to sit on a you know for one of the motorcycle games. You got to sit on a a plastic motorcycle and drive the motorcycle. Uh, that I think that will be hard to be replaced. Uh, I mean, when they try now with VR and stuff like that, but it's just not the same. Uh, uh, with yeah, so I that, would like to see VR become like the new arcade trend. I, I think I, it I can. really would. I think it has um, a chance to be. I've talked about it before. Like I, I feel like it can happen. Like you get arcade setups. Like I mean, how cool it would it be to play VR like Madden football? Get a bunch of friends together and <laughs> Madden football virtual reality. Uh, and you could do it with so many other. So many other ways, too. I think it is the future. Uh, a lot of people don't agree with me on that, but I think it can be. Also, I mean, right now, you and I, we're seeing those one-up arcade machines yes. coming back. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're obviously a lot smaller than original arcade cabinets uh, to keep it cheaper. But, uh, you know, there is – I think it, we're starting to hit that point where it's become retro and it's becoming cool. It's kind of coming back in the same light that uh, – like vinyl records are. Uh, you yes. get a lot of record players. I just feel like arcades are slowly moving into that point. Because um, you, you are starting to see more places pop up like that. A friend of mine from Binghamton says there's an arcade down that way. And they do a, the same philosophy. They have a whole room full of arcade machines, and you pay X amount of dollars, and you can just play as much as you want. Um, and you mentioned you know, you mentioned you have something like that down where you live. Um so it's it's kind of hitting a boom where it's like a it's got like a cult following behind it, not as diehard as it was in the eighties and nineties, but um, I, I think it's in the public attention again. And, and I mean, who knows what's gonna come of it? Uh, you know, you go to stores like Fye and in various places, and you see uh, you know these retro video game T shirts like Atari, Pac Man, Galaxy Centipede, all these different like franchises and stuff. They're they're t-shirts and you see people wearing them all the time um i i just feel like yeah it's it's around it's prevalent um you know i i want to see more i like niche stores you know niche businesses that might aim towards something like that uh you know i like to see more of them pop up every now and then um you know and maybe figure out a different way or a new way to uh reinvent themselves if, if that's even possible yeah I think as we go, as we hurdle quicker, I mean, this decade that we're in now is about to end even in a couple of weeks. Yeah. As, we're, as we hurdle towards an all-digital era, I mean, just think about how we even get music now, you know, how we get movies now, how we get, how we play our video games. I mean, Google Stadia just came out, and that's an all-streaming video game service. You don't even buy, really buy a video game system. I mean, it's, they're trying new things with the future, and I like that they try those things. But also, you know, I'm just going to miss. I'm just going to miss the arcade, just the sounds. Uh, you know, going around and seeing, hey, is NBA? Is, can I play NBA Jam now? Are there people not there now? Can I go play it? That type <laughs> of deal. You know, it's there's just something about it. Uh, I I remember when uh, when one of my uh, local arcades got Street Fighter Two in, and I remember there being a line to play Street Fighter Two. <laughs> And now you just like you go. Well, I'm just going to download Street Fighter Two and play it. You know, <laughs> so much, which is great. Don't get me wrong; that's awesome. That I can pretty much pick any video game and find a way to play that video game. 
But it's just something about going to an actual place and seeing, you know, people there who just love video games and playing street. Like, there's a line for a video game is just kind of incredible. Yeah, it makes it a community, like a community thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I couldn't agree more. Arcade video games, uh, video game arcades, really. Uh, just an important part of pop culture history and one that's very fondly remembered by a lot of people. Uh, but that does it for this week's episode of Retro Pop. Johnny gets choice next, and uh, I think you i think you said what you wanted to choose, uh, if you want to announce <laughs> it to everybody. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I'm going to cover the uh, one of the biggest pop icons himself, the man, the myth, the legend, Santa Claus. Santa Claus. I love it. That's got to be a good discussion. So we're going to uh, go from the arcades, Matt. We're going to go from the arcades to the North Pole. Yep, we are. Yeah, I know. Our last, our previous, you know, this episode as well as the previous three were kind of all interconnected where Santa Claus has taken us in a bit of a new direction, which I'm excited for. Uh, but, yeah, thank you, everybody, for your support. We appreciate you so much and uh, a lot more good topics in store for you right here. Take care.